0: Hello and welcome. Elizabeth Lockwood here. I'm your host for Mile Long Trace where we unpack the process of practicing commercial interior design. This podcast is a catalyst to elevate you as a commercial interior designer to make you resilient and successful at your career by unpacking the facets of the design process, elevating your professional practice through organizational dynamics tips, celebrating emerged practitioners through a series of candid interviews so that you can hear how they navigated their career path, and lastly, creating a Q&A platform to build quality professional resources. In the end, I want you to feel supported in your role as a commercial interior designer so that you can be successful in your career. As passionate designers, we want to elevate the commercial interior design industry by providing credible resources to support emerging practitioners. In order to keep this content accessible, Mile Long Trace is seeking industry partners and sponsors to grow this platform. Industry sponsors and partners that are passionate about supporting, influencing, and advancing commercial interior design. Mile Long Trace is offering annual and a la carte sponsorship More information and to contact us, go to milelongtrace.com. Generous sponsorship dollars support the future of commercial interior design by building a stronger community, knowledge base, and attrition at firms and an industry at large. Good morning, good morning. I hope everyone's doing well today and kicking off the week. I'm finding that for myself, I'm becoming more and more aware of office dynamics and cultures and throughout the office and now that everyone's kind of settling into the schedule I think it makes sense for us to take a little bit of time to unpack how to navigate office culture. For today's topic, I'd like to dive into the messy and sometimes dramatic office culture. Now that I'm approaching my year mark at a firm, I'm aware of it how it really takes about a year to feel integrated into a new firm's culture. Throughout One's first year, I really feel like you're adjusting to the cultural norms of the office, and it's really also amazing to see when you've been at a couple firms how different the office cultures can be. Some firms are very aggressive in their day-to-day interactions, all business and no play. Some are competitive, some are laid back, some have a lighthearted nature to them. I'm sure a lot of this culture is set by the managing team. Hiring managers hire certain characteristics to make sure they, the new designer fits in with the dynamics of the current team. Right. And that makes sense. And here's where I think the feedback loop comes back, where the office culture behaves a certain way and the new hire has to learn how to adopt into that culture. They have to kind of um, become integrated with the firm and therefore they start to create a feedback loop of they're influencing the firm, the firm is responding to them and so on. So knowing that each office has a different culture that you will not only need to learn but also be subtly influencing is important to keep in the forefront of your mind. Is it okay to shout across the office? Does everyone have their headphones on? Do you need to follow the outlined office procedures to a T? Or do the office have a loose guidelines? Can you work from home? Do you need to check in each day? What is the protocol for reaching out to one another in the office? More subtle examples can include... Feeling of how you might be able to approach someone or not. Are there certain people that are more approachable at the office than others? If you see someone running to the elevator, is it a good idea to hit them with a load of questions? Is there a better time of day that each colleague has a clearer head? With all this swirling around, you may be wondering, how do you navigate the diverse personalities at a firm? Well, me too. Working with a creative team can be challenging. To begin, I'd like for you to ponder how you would describe your office culture. Is it all for one, one for all? Does it feel like one big family? Maybe you're still trying to pinpoint the culture. At the first couple firms I worked at, I'm sure I wasn't able to identify the culture of a firm. I was too new in my career and too hungry for work to even consider the firm's culture. Now that I've evolved as a designer, the day-to-day tasks are not as daunting. I've seen a series of office cultures and I've gotten to pinpoint in my career where I formed an opinion in what culture works for me. Colleague wrote on a sticky note the other day, You don't know what you don't know. I think this is so true. As you peel back the layers of your practice, your perspectives, they shift and they focus on other perspectives as you dive in deeper. For some, it takes a few experiences at a firm to be able to articulate what culture works for them. At the first formal firm I worked for, after graduating from my undergraduate, I was thrown in. The firm was operating at a full force with a plethora of projects flooding in. They were hiring like crazy, shocking to reflect back on. When in an ideal world, you get warmed up for a competitive game before you start playing, right? And you have actually had a team development exercise. You've practiced numerous times before you have to fully perform as a team. I think the reality is most of us start charging for the end goal as soon as we started a firm. We're excited, and we want to operate at our full force without any warm-up. So where do you think that leaves us? Usually patching together the interpersonal connections to function. A second challenge is that each new team member the office comes in at various times, so the team has a variety of relationship levels already formed when that new employee arrives, thus leaving people trying to navigate and weave into each other. To be honest, as I'm mapping this all out, I'm in awe that firms are as functional as they are. In the nature of practice, we are a service-based industry, right? We are deadline-focused at times. We have billable hours to keep the firm's financials on track. I think this might tend to set the firm up for adopting a task-heavy orientation, where we really want to focus on those undeliverables, and maybe not as much on the process. That process side of working with a team oftentimes gets left to the wayside. It's once in a while woven in at a happy hour, maybe, or an office day retreat that maybe comes around every few years, but maybe isn't always emphasized as much as it could. Thus, it is important to balance the task and process of a firm to be fully integrated and functional. The task being the actual design work. The process is how we get there, how you act or perform along the way. So what does balancing the process and task look like? What if each time a new member joined a group and the team slowed down to integrate the new team members? Peated phrase I like to remind myself is go slow to go fast. You slow down to nurture the process, to engage with your colleagues, to get to know them, understand how they operate. So that then when it gets time to crunch and push for a deadline, you're in full operation mode and you're ready to perform. The root of integrating a team is forming a relationship and a relationship that is built on trust and confidence that you know when to ebb and flow with each other. This dynamic has to be built over time. It takes time to develop trust in someone. It also takes time to learn how you can dance with them, when to step up, when to step back. That's why saying it takes a year to fully get integrated into your position At my firm's retreat last week, seven of us were gathered around one of our eight core values. The topic was collaboration for us and how the firm works with it, why it's important and how we can strive as a firm to do better. As the team and I brainstormed the word collaboration, how it related to the firm's practice, the theory of what I like to call the umbrella method or theory came up. I am reminded of the Paradox of Group Life book, where they dive into the understanding conflict, paralysis, and movement in group dynamics. According to Smith and Berg, working with and in groups is paradoxal. There is always a yin and a yang that must be balanced and present in order to operate within a group. The use of opposing forces to deepen understanding does, however, require a relationship strong enough to tolerate the strain, according to Smith and Berg. Which I think is fascinating to unpack as I started off mentioning that you must develop a relationship in order to work with your design team. I think the group's relationships get tested when you begin to work through the phases of design, especially when it's the wee hours and you're nearing a deadline. This is oftentimes when the dynamics of a group usually begin to break down, and they get tested. You might be tired. You might be pretty frustrated. You might be overworked. You might be a plethora of different emotions. You might be short or curt, or someone else might be the same to you. Getting to that final design deliverable, as we all know, can be very stressful, especially when you're personally passionate about the project and you want to perform well. So something to consider when you're nearing a deadline is do a quick check in with your team. I like to ask, how's the team operating? What's working? What could we be doing differently? Like I said earlier, go slow to go fast always allows the team a time to pause for a moment to check in and see how everyone's doing before you dive into the task at hand. We as individuals bring specific talents and skill sets to our interdisciplinary firms. Those skill sets are celebrated as we collaborate on projects. It is expected that we can be an expert in our one area, but our expertise can influence the development of others' work. In contrast to this, one's office culture could be siloed, where you're in your specific position, you need to stay in your field, you do your job description, and that's it. It is interesting to consider how firms' hiring practice and office cultures can support interdisciplinary perspectives. The exercise with my colleagues ended with a rendition of Vanilla Ice, Stop and Collaborate and Listen, which provided a good laugh. Then, where we dove into the second core values, professionalism. As we blankly stared at the page, we pondered, what is professionalism? What is the word to describe it? Knowing when to show up, when to step down, listen to the subtle clues going on within the team, being respectful, being accountable, being authentic? Is it knowing we're in the professional role that affects others' lives through the health, safety, and welfare of the public? Is it using those tools to graciously and collaboratively work with a team? Is it leaving our egos at the door to do what's right for the project? Maybe it's being mindful. This led me to thinking about the importance of emotional intelligence and the role it plays in the success of navigating office culture. So... What is emotional intelligence? Let's unpack this. Emotional intelligence, or EI, is the capacity to be aware of, control, and express one's emotions, and to handle interpersonal relationships judiciously and empathetically. Emotional intelligence is the key to both personal and professional success, according to the Oxford Dictionary. So why is it so important to the professional success? I think it wraps into what I previously stated. Being a design professional requires us to rise up out of ourselves, to be diplomatic at times, to work with a collaborative environment, to ethically advocate for the best project, and make recommendations that, you know, sometimes don't always want to be heard. And you do that in a way that is receivable, it's approachable. You're emotionally aware enough that your tone and body language can come off and affect how one's information is perceived. As LeBaron states in Bridging Cultural Conflict. Emotional intelligence is the capacity to know and manage our own feelings, and also to read and effectively deal with others' feelings. So, when I was first out of school, going back to being thrown in the wolves on a couple teams that were pumping out DD sets for a series of timeshare projects across North America, I recall really struggling with one individual in the project. In our infancy of our professional careers, we were a long way from having a heightened EI, emotional intelligence. To me, it felt like we were just surviving. Wait, actually, we literally were just surviving. We were working about 80 hours a week, sleeping under our desks, showering at work, ordering takeout, and basically complete zombie designers walking around. As our team worked together, I recall butting heads and coming home frustrated numerous times because of one individual. The exact reason why, I can't even remember. Years later in my master's program, when we were looking at the team dynamics and how each of us show up to projects, And as we took the Meyer-Briggs exam, or the DISC test, it occurred to me, this individual that I'd been struggling with for years back was more similar to me than I would have ever cared to admit. I have since then engaged with this individual on professional boards and in work-related scenarios and can now say I can dance with her, because I now understand how she operates and how I can compliment her. I feel like today I keep thinking of 1980s songs, um, but really, Paula Abdul, she had it right. Because really, opposites do attract, and others that we continuously butt heads with. I would challenge you to consider what your relational style is and what your team members are. This can be an eye opener as to why you work well with some and not with others. And like I felt, it can be that you have more in common with those you butt heads with than you really care to realize. Maybe you're both Leos, maybe you're both D styles, which is dominant styles from the disc model. The list can go on. Knowing your and your team members' behavioral styles allows you to grow your self-awareness, self-regulate, find your motivation, be more empathetical, and improve your social skills. A key component by knowing your personality is to elevate your awareness for how you show up by using the knowledge as a tool to leverage your interactions with coworkers. This includes bosses, peers, mentors, consultants, contractors. You know what the list is. It can go on. In an ideal scenario, teams are built before they're asked to perform. And as I previously stated, one way to begin a new group engagement is to develop rules of engagement that outline how people like to operate and deliver on a project. Creating these in, quote, rules allows the team to develop the process for how they found it best to work within a team before they dive into the tasks at hand. All right, the second helpful exercise I like to do is when you're in a meeting with a team. It could be an internal meeting with a client, with consultants, with really any group that you're kind of forming and coming together with is if you're finding yourself talking a lot, maybe challenge yourself to go on the balcony. This means not physically pulling yourself back from the group, but forcing yourself to pause a little bit more, to take pulse and really internalize what everyone's saying. Um, Some call this active listening and the beauty of this exercise, it allows you to listen and gain a stronger sense of what wants to happen on the project. And that's really key because that gets us to take everything we're hearing from everybody and start to collaboratively pull it together. So maybe challenge yourself to observe by actively listening and using that as a tool to gain a lot of insight into the bigger picture. Lastly, my final exercise for this week that I find helpful is to challenge yourself to think about the other side of the fence. At first, it might be easier to reflect on a colleague's interactions after the fact. And maybe this is best done at home to let your mind wind down. Try writing the situation down from your perspective. Secondly, this is where you build on that, is write out how it made you feel. Then, lastly, challenge yourself to write three to five potential perspectives some of your team members might have felt. If they'd had the same situation or what they might have felt in that situation. This exercise allows you to see the other side of the fence and build more empathy and grace towards your colleagues. Could it be there was an additional reason why your colleague acted the way they did? Maybe they had an additional history of knowledge with the client that you're unaware of. Maybe they're simply having a bad day or not feeling well or rushed. The list can go on. So I think it's really helpful for us to start to think about what um, is potentially influencing and what's that other side of the fence so that we as um, thoughtful, emotionally intelligent team members and groups can really... Come at it with more empathy and understanding and compassion. Having a strong emotional intelligence allows you to ebb and flow with teams, to be conscious of how you're showing up with them, to be empathetic to their um, maybe situations that are influencing how they're showing up for the day. And it doesn't mean that you're not voicing your opinion. It doesn't mean that you're advocating for what's right and professionally growing a project. It means that you're really collaboratively and thoughtfully working with your team. So what are some of those different tests you can take out there to um, become more emotionally aware? Myers-Briggs is a big one. That one usually you have to pay for. um, So that's one you can look for. The DISC model is one that I found, which was a more condensed version um, to take and allowed me to succinctly see four different categories that um, might influence people's behavioral approaches. And then lastly, Four Tendencies, which is by Gretchen Rubin, where she published a book and where she explores the four behavioral tendencies that are upholder, questioner, obliger, and rebel. Those can be found at quiz.gretchenrubin.com. Those can also be found in my show notes. So what are successful moments you've had with your colleagues? And what are ones you'd rather erase from your day? As we're wrapping the show up this week, and I've given you guys a couple tips, I really want to reach out and say, if you have any successful moments you've had with your colleagues, um, you've had any that you'd rather erase from your day, I want to hear about them. I think those are going to continue to build this platform for commercial designers, and so the more we can come together as a community and share our resources and insights, I think the stronger it's going to be. Um, so please email me Elizabeth at milelongtrace.com. It can also be found in my show notes page, and share your stories on um, office culture. Navigating it, if you've used any of these emotional intelligence um, quizzes before, any other exercises you've found from organizational development consultants, I want to hear them. All right, so in summary, take a personality quiz, get to know who you are and how you show up to groups, see if you can take it a step further by understanding your coworkers' personalities. Go slow to go fast by balancing task and process, especially right before deadlines when things start to break down. Form working relationships with your coworkers to understand how they like to operate and how your personality can complement them. Go on the balcony and to listen more than speak. And lastly, consider the other side of the fence because it takes two to tango. The references for this week's episode can be found in the show notes for this episode. And if you have any thoughts, insights, what has worked, not worked in your office dynamics, I'd love to hear from you. So email elizabeth at milelongtrace.com. I look forward to hearing from you and helping you elevate the commercial interior design practice. Keep on designing, y'all.